Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. Here with Benji Narson, as always. Benji and I in the midst of the LFR um, Twitter sort of account competition that's every year. Benji, I think, is odds on to win that. I'm not as um, popular as he is. I reckon you're going to clean it up, Benji. What, where, what do you reckon your chances are right now? I think I've got a. I don't actually see my chances that high. While I had the most preliminary votes to get into the competition, I. I don't know. I also also don't feel like going to the part where you can get more votes by having riders endorse you in the competition. But I'm like, I can't be arsed to do that. No, I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fun, but it's not professional. <laughs> we need to get Nate uh, Silver 538 to do some sort of polling analysis to see who's going to win. Anyway, this is a bit too late because... Uh, people came to my door asking for charitable donations for a Christmas raffle here in Andorra. Comment down below whether you think I told them to go away or if I gave them some money. See what people <laughs> think of my. That's the poll for my public perception, Benji. But anyway, without further ado, Team Bike Exchange, Jayco. They're adding it. This is what happens. They had another Jerry Ryan company. That's what they're called in 2022. Men and women's. We also have in the middle of this an interview with Kel O'Brien. Uh, who's one of their incoming neo pros, young Australian lead out man slash I think he can be a bit more versatile. So stay tuned for that as well. First, we'll do the men's team, evaluate their 2021 season and transfers, then predict their teams for various major events and then some hot takes before we get into Kel's interview and the women's with Benji. 2021 was not the same as sort of the, the peak years of bike exchange or green edge or Mitchelton when the stage wins galores with Yates and Trenton or even better than that when they won the Vuelta they had two world tour wins Chavez Catalonia Yates Giro stage 19 Yates came third in the Giro GC as well because they shortened the Cortina stage otherwise I don't think he would have he won tour of the Alps and there's some other Anastasia there they're only dot pro wins and other than that, there's like six, five wins at like two one-level Hungary and Saska and Slovenska. It's, it's got to be a below-par season, Benji. Yeah, certainly. I think uh, I re-listened to our podcast of last year and we were aiming at roughly 20 victories for this team. It didn't come close to that. Nine is just not good enough. And of those, only two are world tour, like you mentioned. And yes, winning a stage in the Giro is good, but it's also what we expect from someone like Simon Yates. I would have been more surprised if he didn't win a World Tour race this season. Then Chavez, he had a bit of a resurrection in Catalonia, but it didn't last too much longer than Catalonia, to be honest. So, yeah, it is what we expected from Chavez. I didn't expect too much more personally, and I'm already surprised that he won that stage in Catalonia as well, personally. But for the rest of the season, you're you're right. And one name that's missing in the winning books is quite clear to me. It's Michael Matthews. I know, and he did a lot of hard world tour racing, obviously did the Tour de France, and he definitely didn't do – actually, well, he did Swiss, and then he ran into um, MVDP, Paris-Nice, all the stages like we spoke about for Laporte, Benji, they were either pure sprint stages against Bennett, Pedersen, and Bowl, or they were like pretty tough uphill finishes where – he got beaten by Roglic. Uh, he had really good form at Sharubla as well. I think he, hey, what did he do? 69 race days, virtually all of it, I think. 
All of it was at world tour level except for Brabant to Pale. That's insane. And Grosse Priest to Cantona, Argao at Schelling one, I think. So hard schedule, definitely not a send races one. He's missing Catalonia where I think the sprint level was low or Romandy, those sort of races. But he still accumulated a lot of a lot of points as well. I'm on the view, Benji, that Matthews is still really, really good. And that people will probably think Magnus Court is now a better rider than Michael Matthews. Magnus Court had better results in terms of wins, of course. But I believe Court is a better rider than Michael Matthews. Really? Yep. I don't know about that. I think Matthews just targets races in the wrong way. I think also possible. If you look at his Cuyera time and where he finished in that GC group, I think he's just targeting the wrong way. But anyway. Yeah, you're right. Simon Yates, 68 race day, some curious races where he did Giro, TDF where he DNF'd, then went to the Olympics, then did San Sebastian, then did Burgos to not do the Vuelta. Really, really odd uh, from Simon Yates. And I think, what do you think's missing, Benji? <laughs> I mean, it's just, especially with Esteban Chavez going out the door, like, is the problem that they're looking at Matthews. They don't have a sprinter. They, they don't have a UN replacement from years ago, and they're trying to use Matthews as both their puncher, their classics man, and their sprinter when he's kind of none of those things. Yeah, certainly. And I think their goal in their team is perhaps to use a getting gross in the future as their sprinter, but I currently don't see it based on the performances he's delivered over the years. And I feel like... Yates' podium at the Giro is a good result. Like, let's be honest, podium at the Giro is a good result. And I don't expect much more from Yates than podium in Grand Tour in a year. And a few stage wins in Worlds, perhaps. He did one this year. That's a bit on the low end for Simon Yates in my eyes. He can win more than one. But we shouldn't expect Simon Yates to win a Grand Tour right now against Slovenians or against a uh, Bernal that is not having back pain. So, I don't know. I feel like... We shouldn't expect too much more from him. I think that podium is good for him. But then I indeed look at the rest of the team and there's a lot of talent that I feel went to bike exchange, grew a tiny bit, had one breakout race. I think Hamilton, for example, had a bit of a breakout race. Was it Bologna a year or two ago or last year? Tirreno, he won a stage, didn't he? Yeah, he did win uh, something in Tirreno as well or did well, well at Tirreno at some point, I think. But... um. Rob Stannard, for example, he also grew, and that's why that I didn't have that thing that 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 victory that was like, okay, he's on the he's on the plateau now, he's there, and he's obviously leaving right now. Is there a problem with their development of their younger riders, or is that something I'm in I'm imagining? Well, there's no problem with young Australians that are pretty good who've been out of contract. I mean, we look at Jay Vine. I'm not sure if he got a call from Bike Exchange to step up to their team, World Tour level. And there's plenty of races like Tour of the Alps, et cetera, or Burgos, which they can send him to and relieve a bit of the burden on a, a Simon Yates. So I don't know. I don't know. What's, I feel like there's plenty of Australian talent dotted around and um, they don't even need a development team. I'm just curious sometimes seeing like the signing of Jan Maas instead of Jay Vine. It's just really really odd to me uh but yeah i think they're missing a, a peak sprinter they think groves will be that guy uh remains to be seen he's only 22 i think he's he's developing okay i think you know he's quite young matthews i'd be interested to see if they use him in a different fashion next year and not as like a 
pure bunch sprinter. And they just don't, as you said, Benji, they don't have other GC options other than Simon Yates with Chavez going out the door. Uh, they have no one else I really can see apart from House and at, say, Tour de Hungary that can really be a second guy to go to the Vuelta or the Giro. Oh, sorry, the Tour if Yates goes to the, the Giro. And that's fine. That's fine if your team is set up to hunt stages like EFR or sprint like in breaks or sprint stages like De Kernica, who often don't send a GC rider pretty much at all. Lucas Hamilton was supposed to be that guy. I, I don't see it. He's 25, turning 26 in February. This year wasn't great. Uh, I, don't, I don't see it. They sort of picked him over, over Haig, it seemed, and I think Haig is looking like the better one. But into their transfers now, Benji. Yep. Uh, see what you think about them. Out the door is Nieve, which is pretty good, going to Kaha Rural. I quite like that for him. Bookwalter retired. Love it. Science to Astana on like a one-year pre-retirement deal. Barnabas Peak, I think they're letting go. He's unsigned. Rob Stannard, no surprise to anybody. One of the young talents, Benji, out the door. I mean, we predicted that back in <laughs> back, back Andalusia, didn't we? Yeah, certainly, because uh, – People that don't remember Andalusia, there was a sprint where uh, Rob Stannard basically got crashed by MP and eventually, uh, what was the reaction of Bike Exchange to that? Basically that he had to apologize, Rob Stannard, to the person that crashed him? Correct. He had to apologize for being angry at MP for crashing him out and uh, taking away his first professional win uh, because, you know, MP obviously a veteran of bike exchange back in the day. So if I was a young rider seeing the team selling me out like that, I, I would be I'd be leaving yeah. as well. <laughs> Other talent that's going out the door is Esteban Chavez, who I think pretty sure Chavez is is he older than Nairo? He looks, you know, obviously looks younger, but he is he's 31, but he's had, he'd been dealing with sickness for a few years and didn't have the consistency this year. I don't know what the plan was at the tour. Very odd tour, but he did have a good result in Catalonia on both the mountaintop finishes, second and first there, but just lost a lot on the TT. Uh, he did flesh in the age, eighth and fourteenth. He did a weird schedule; like he he's good yeah. on the longer climbs, and Basque I think didn't suit him as much. Did Swiss, but yeah, the tour Benji. I'm looking at he just hovered around like twelfth or thirteenth, and I remember I was on a call on uh, the the Detour podcast with Dan Jones, who used to do the fabulous bike exchange. YouTube videos and it was with Matt, Matt White as well and I was like is Esteban going to lose some time and and go for stages because he, he he sat Benji in this what should we call it? we got to start calling it something Benji the 10th to 14th zone of zone of irrelevancy where you can't get in the break <laughs> yes you can't get in the break to win stages but you're also not top 10 I'm open to your suggestions for that name Yes, uh, I'm actually uh, on board with calling that something because that is a position where you have to make the decision of, okay, can I enter the top 10 or not? If not, what's the point in getting 11th or 12th in this Grand Tour? Let me go in the break, lose some time, and perhaps losing time might offer me the opportunity of getting more in the break, leading me to an actual top 10 eventually. So all that stuff can be uh, can work together very well in the end, and that was not really the case there. I feel like I do recall him trying to get in some breaks and he did, just he did. not working. Uh-uh. But I um I just got the feeling that in general I think that he's better than the year before, but he's nowhere near what he was in the past, of course. But you think that there's a possibility that Chavez comes back to the level that he was before? 
Chavez, I think, can win Giro stages, Tour de France stages, and the right yep. stages. He Catalunya showed that, like he danced away from Ineos on Portenay. He chased back. Actually, he was coming very strong back to Yates on Valter 2000, the stage before where he hadn't responded initially. If he'd gone with Valverde, Cus, and Yates, maybe he makes it and and contests the win. I think, I think his climb, his 30 minute power, and certainly to altitude is still excellent and capable of winning on the biggest stages. I just think. So that's why he's a bit of a loss, but he's out the door. So that's still one of their World Tour wins, out the door and some other good results, which I don't see being replaced by Lucas Hamilton. And what I don't know about Benji is, do EF pay more than bike exchange? Like I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to leave. I don't know. Bit odd. One thing that I do notice is that if you look at what Chavez did in the bus, for example, we look at his second in the Giro and third in the Vuelta, both in 2016. And if we take a look at that year, that was obviously his best year winning Lombardia and winning Emilia all in one year as well. So uh, definitely can't complain that year. But what's noticeable is that those Grand Tours had Nibali winning in the Giro ahead of Chavez and Volverde. Kreisweg, who was the best time trollist, had that issue, of course, where he crashed on top of that climb. And it's noticeable that if you've got Nibali, Chavez, and Volverde in the top three, those are not necessarily the riders that you look at and say, those are the best time trollists of GC riders. And look at the Vuelta, and you've got that being the Grand Tour where Froome was beaten for that top three. But outside of that top three, there's also riders that aren't necessarily the best time trollists. Is that perhaps something that changed over the years? Or was that just a year that time time trolling was not as important in the Giro and the Vuelta, where he was able to strike true and now it's just more important in races and it's not happening? Do you think that that might lead him to getting into the Giro for Yev? Has to go to zero, right? With Veni, Veni openly saying time trials shouldn't count and reducing it to 17Ks. <laughs> it would make a lot of sense. Uh, but he's out the door. So the guys coming in, let's see if they can replace his level uh, or, say, Stannard's projected level is only 23. We have my personal favorite, Lawson Craddock, doing a swap. So uh, this, this was really surprising to me, Benji Craddock, leaving EF. American. Okay, Olympics, yeah, he sold me out in the TT. Um, cost me my mortgage. That's fine. But that wasn't on EF's time. He At the Vuelta, he was so good in that break with Magnus Court. I don't know. Like He's still a good domestique, still a great guy that fits their strategy in terms of being that guy we always talk about. You know, It sounds simple, but it's not. Having that guy with the potential stage winner you have in the break to do the dirty work, he's only 29. I'm really surprised. I think that's a good signing depending on the money. Um Although he's obviously, maybe he's already lost a little bit because he was photographed with the giant and then got a termination notice, but then wasn't fired, so it's been <laughs> fine now. Uh, Jan Maas from Leopard Pro Cycling, 25-year-old Dutch rider who has been at Conti level for a long time. I don't see much upside in him, but Bike Exchange do a lot of Saskatoon, Hungary races where I think he's just going to go to those races, which are frankly two. They're all 2-1 sort of level. Uh, Sobrero, talented from Astana. I thought it was weird, but good for Bike Exchange. He's young. Uh, Jesus David Pena I don't know too much about Colombian Alexander Borma I need some help from you Benji I think you know about him Campbell Stewart is a Kiwi from Black Spoke who has a decent result and Kel O'Brien's not showing but he's a I think he's the stagiaire this, this year for a few races he's a lead out man as well so what stands out from you amongst those riders Benji particularly the ones I'm not familiar with yeah so firstly when we look at the transfers that you mentioned that his was David Pena guy. You can't see the results too much that he did 
uh, on uh, PCS because his biggest race was uh, a U23 race. You can find that on First Cycling if you want. And uh, there he won the uh, U23 Tour of Colombia for the uh, second time, the Vuelta Colombia. And he did that ahead of his teammates basically this year. So his teammates were second, third, and fifth, which I don't know if that says anything about the quality of the field, but it shows that one team is dominating and that the team might as well have decided who of the team has won that race as a consequence. But if you look at the history of that race, who are the winners of that? We've got in the past, uh, last year, Diego Camargo. He's now riding for EF, if I recall correctly. Jimenez, don't know what happened to him. Sergio Martinez, not sure what happened to him. Cano, I remember that guy from riding for a, a Colombian Conti or pro Conti team, probably Conti team. And then the years before, Carapaz, Lopez, Miguel Angel Lopez, a few years in between with riders that did not make it at all, uh, Betancourt, Fabio Duarte, and now. So some riders that we do know that did make it, but it's a 50-50 chance that he makes it, like based on what I'm seeing here in this list. And with the rest of his results, I think 51st at the Giro U23, I'm like, it's not looking like it will. But I hope for him that he does, but it just doesn't look like it right now. So... um do you reckon he's getting paid more than like what's the difference in salary between a guy like this and Madden Vandenberg, the Dutch guy who's going to EF, or Steinhauser to EF? I think there's a big difference. Do you reckon like those guys can't be on that much? I mean, there's a big difference perhaps the other way around. Like this guy here, his is David Pena. Minimum. Next to the risk as a rider, you also have the risk of this guy is moving to Europe for a bit. Yep. And in a new environment, perhaps he hates it. You've got Contreras, Rodrigo Contreras, who had a real issue with having to move to Europe and being in that environment and as a consequence had trouble making it through that barrier. And I think that's something, an extra risk that adds onto it and perhaps a reason to pay less for a ride like this. Then again, you, you're probably going to have to invest in accommodation for the kid. I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I mean... If bike exchange do know about bringing guys over uh, who aren't European, but it's usually Australians, uh, and then the guys like Chavez are on, you know, they're on enough money that their lives should be relatively easy here, uh, one would think. But yeah, that's a good point you make, Benji, about moving over, uh, etc. When it comes to Balmer, I feel like he's uh, the kind of rider that is pretty fast after uh, hilly races. So he's uh, basically a... Italian classics kind of rider with a punch is based on the results is what I can figure out on him personally. And he's got a a decent time trial, I think. Nah, I'm not sure. I can't I can't really deduct that from the results. But just a, a guy that can get over hills, versatile rider, and uh I recall him getting second in last stage of Ronde de Lizar, which was uh behind Heis Lemreise, who basically cleaned up that race. Um but Certainly a, a race where youngsters do shine, and I think that Balmer uh, has some talent. Definitely. Definitely worth a, a World Tour contract, I think, when you look at that Giro de Belvedere result near third behind Ayu, so uh, I don't mind. There's upside in him. The Stewart looks quite good, and then Craddock is a, a notable, like a proven commodity in World Tour. Sobrero, though, I, I mentioned briefly, I was surprised, like, I would have thought Astana's like an Italian, basically the closest we have to an Italian team in World Tour. He was good in TT at the Giro d'Italia. He actually climbed well at Tour of Slovenia uh, behind Pagaccia. I know it's not a huge race, but that was behind Pagaccia, Ulisi, etc. I worry that his TT is going to move back now, Benji, because Durbridge 
does good power and not great results all the time. I, I don't know. Like, what do you think they want from Sobrero? Do they see him as a potential GC guy? I don't know, but I'd love to see it attempted in smaller races because uh, we had Tour de Slovenia where he was one of the last five riders on those climbing stages. But obviously, uh, Pogacar then slapped him completely. But I do believe that he's got the ability of getting over hills. He's got the ITT to go for solos. Perhaps he should go in breakaways on hilly terrain and do what others do, like a Mohoric, attack away just before the climb, yep. make sure you've got a gap before the climb, being able to climb well as well, and then able to solo away on the flat afterwards. So that kind of stuff, I think that could work. But I don't know what is the plan with him. Is he going to be supportive as a domestique? It's also possible. I think that a rider like Sobrero could probably do that. Perhaps one thing we look across and don't realize is that perhaps team riders just want to go to a different team at a certain point, like Craddock. Yeah, exactly. He's been at EF for so so, so long, ever since the days they were still called Cannondale. So perhaps he just needs to change an environment because he feels like he doesn't get the opportunities that he wants to get because he's too... I heard that. I think they let him go. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, well, that's what some rumors I heard, which, yeah, surprising. Are we are we starting, or do we need to really enforce the free Mezgets uh, bandwagon Benji? Is he, Coos has been free perhaps too much. Is it Mezgets that needs to be freed in 2022? Nah. Nah? I don't, I don't <laughs> believe in it. I, I really don't believe in it. He's still an outsider sprinter in the same way that Matthews is. Either way you choose, you're going to be likely beaten by better sprinters unless it's an uphill sprint. I think the last time Mezgech has his had his good years was was it a UAE tour in 2018, 2017, 2019? Tour of Polonia, I think, where he won three stage two stages in 2019. I thought his 2020 was really good. I don't remember much of his 2020 outside of just getting second somewhere in the tour. He won a few, he won some reduced. I think he's a decent climbing sprinty boy that needs to be freed in breaks. I think he can win sprints like i think magnus court would have not have been happy to see mez gets in the group in, rather than bagioli and simmons i think yep that's someone anyway i'm gonna go through the 2022 roster list before we pick their teams uh for 2022 major events but before we do that mention our show partner lacole who produced performance cycling apparel christmas is in 20 days, somewhat alarmingly, can't believe it. And they have a special Christmas gift guide on the LeCole website. The link is down below. They produce top-notch performance cycling apparel, and they've got you covered, whether you're in the Southern Hemisphere where it's hot for Christmas, which I'm kind of thinking about going back, or if you're in the cold Northern Hemisphere winter. They've got stocking fillers to luxury gifts for discerning riders to make the cyclist in your life smile on christmas day so thanks to lacole for supporting the podcast you can check them out at lacole.cc rattle through their team just so it's fresh in everyone's mind for 2022 Bulmer, bauer buley Coglioni, young italian craddock durbridge alex edmondson sagabu germai groves hamilton hepburn Housen, almond grundle jansen almost forgotten about christoph yul jensen just got extended kangert konishev mars matthews meyer mezgets o'brien Pena, Schultz, Callum Scottson, Dion Smith, Matteo Sobrero, Campbell Stewart, Simon Yates. I think it's missing some really the, the top talent. But anyway, Benji, they're cobbled classics. It's a bit thin on the ground, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like it's uh, it's thin on the ground, definitely. And 
if you look at the team that they have in 2022, then I think that oh, it's very hard. Jansen, Amon Grundel Jansen is one yeah, of the riders in there. That's why I got signed. <laughs> Matthews, I would dare to put in those races, but then you're like, okay, is he going to do the cobble races and Amstel and the Hill Classics? Or what are you going to send them to? And then you have to kind of balance it out and see what fits them best throughout. And um, next to that, we've got... Oh boy, Mesquite. Jack Bauer, I guess. Luke yeah. Durbridge. Yeah. Edmondson? He's a climber, isn't he? I think he did some cobble race well in the past. I vaguely remember that at some point. He won the Tour of Flanders for juniors in 2015 True. or 23. True. He's 27. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, it's it's thin. And this is why I give a little bit of sympathy for Matthews. I think he's he's relied on for, for everything. He's relied yeah. on to win bunch sprints in the Tour, to be the classics, cobble classics guy, to be their Ardennes guy. And you say, oh, well, Wout Van Aert does that. I'm like, Wout Van Aert's a fucking freak. Like, and also, I would say even Wout Van Aert's classics took a pay the price for that a little bit. Um, like, it's tough to have one rider, you know, that's responsible for all those things to be on, to win at that top, top level. So, yeah, it's Matthews, I think, is their best option as a leader, Benji. And would you, if you were Matthews in Bike Exchange, would you have him focus on cobble classics or the Ardennes where do you see I think like Brabant is his best Brabant and Amstel I think he can win I just don't see RVB yeah Brabant and Amstel and MSR I think LBL is too difficult for him uh, MSR he should definitely be there um, I think in MSR he can in RVV he can make the second group uh, but I don't think he can make the first group or the first group of attackers that got away um He's kind of got the same problem as a Kristoff in that race, really, where he gets dropped on the climbs, usually. Um, but then again, I think that matches his better climber than Kristoff, just to make that clear before people notice that comment and think I'm saying something else. Uh, I think that for the cobble race, it's just not that that powerful. And I think, didn't didn't he have trouble at Sunweb because of a, a cobble race that was public info something about somewhere... Where he couldn't ride a envelope or something? There was this whole thing a few years ago. I'd believe it. <laughs> Whatever it was, uh, problems with this. I think he couldn't ride envelope because he forgot to do his homework for the race. That's right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of envelope, I think he should do envelope. I think he should do MSR. Uh, I should think Grunin? he should do Genfabelchen. I, I agree with Benji. I think he should skip. Liège and Flesh, and he should do Amstel, and we'll get to our. So he's their leader for the Cobble Classics. Uh, in terms of young talent for that, maybe send uh, Kel O'Brien just to get a taste for it and Craddock. Uh, what about Giro Benji? It's got to be Simon Yates. It's, it's perfect for him. Yeah, Simon Yates and uh, attempt for a podium again. That's what I, I'd say. Perhaps, yeah, obviously, you would try to win, but I feel it's more likely that he's going to win the podium in that race, really. And what do you do as a as a surrounding for him, I think that Simon Yates is the kind of rider that I don't feel like does need so much support, right? I feel like he's the kind of GC Correct. rider that just sticks in the group with other riders, but that makes me want to think he would put a few riders in there for the breakaway. Yeah, for the Giro, I'm going with Matthews again, Benji. I think if it's, I think there's so many parkour in this race that suits him 
I think the Giro is the best option for him to go for stage wins. And I think Bike Exchange should really try and knock the Giro out of the park. It's going to be maybe a weaker sprint field. Maybe you don't have the Wout Van Aert and MVDPs of this world who, in a, or a Colbrelli uh, probably won't do it, who make it tough in a climbing course with a sprint at the end. I think Matthew should go. And if Pidcock is going to do, I think Matthew should basically match Pidcock's plan of going from classics to then Giro and then see how the first week goes, I think. What are you going to do with Matthews after? The Giro are going to choose Tour or Vuelta? I would then do... <laughs> I'm saying you shouldn't be over-raced, but I'm going to say... This. <laughs> I don't know if the, the Tour de France, it's it's a tough one. And then where does Lucas Hamilton go? I think they'd probably try again with him at the Tour. I don't know. I would honestly just go for stages at the Tour with... Them, I'd probably maybe send Dion Smith. Dion Smith, sixth at Milano San Remo last year, good in the Italian sort of flatter classics. Their tour, that's where you got me, Benji. I don't know. Like, Dion Smith feels like the kind of guy that you send to the Vuelta as your sprinter. I would send Gross to the Vuelta. If you don't set matches, would you? Yeah, I'd send Gross to the Vuelta with, I'd say it's time to step up, go to the Vuelta with the lead out train, see how you go. That's what I'll do with Groves. Um, personally and then Sobrero sorry should go to the Giro Colioni is Italian therefore by law as Benji said last pod must go to the Giro I would send a breakaway sort of team to the tour maybe even yeah. Damien Housen does he ever do the tour I have no bloody clue if Housen does a tour he really did he's done it last time he did the tour was in 2018 he got fourth I think he's, he's like not a bad climber Housen uh, against not great competition, so I don't know. I just go for stages of the tour and breaks. I just and then we haven't seen the Vuelta parkour, Benji, and then maybe get let Lucas Hamilton have a go. To, uh, Vuelta, we don't know. I would send Groves. Is there anyone here it's you again? see? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Or do you send them to the tour for stage wins? Probably he's done that before. I think um, that's never going to happen, you know, because he's going to try and stay in GC, and then he's going to ruin the chance of going for stages and by the time he realizes that he's ruining the chances to go for stages he's probably uh all the way down in gc but doesn't have stages left uh, well in so well in 2019 he did andalusia Paris, catalonia and then he did giro fully for gc and then uh his tt was terrible but he came eighth and he had a couple second and third and then tour de france he actually did go for stages he won two in 2019 that was the year when trenton won one as well yeah yeah I reckon that's the play, and then see how the rest of the year goes. Italian classics, Sobrero, the eights, maybe I don't know, but yeah, as you can tell, we're not probably too high on this team. Over under world to wins this year, like I'm setting it at four and a half, Benji. I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under as well. I don't trust them to do the schedule that we've proposed. I feel like we could see a lot of Michael Matthews sort of seconds again in like the Vuelta. Um, impressive performances, but not on a terrain where he's the best uh, again. So I'm worried for this team. What do you think they've had issues with funding last year? That's It's the Jerry Ryan Passion Project. They've not, you know, Stora, Haig, Vine – but all these young Australians not on bike exchange, what do you see that's missing that they really, really need right now? Manuela Fundacion. It has to be that. Nah, <laughs> like, 
it feels like they don't have a uh, very complete team on all terrains. They've got yeah, leaders right. like Imachus. They've got basically no real leader for the cobble races, let's be honest. And then we look at the Grand Tours and we talk about Sam and Yates and then we're like, okay, well, who should we send that support? And I'm already thinking and I already have to go through the names. It's not like someone comes up in my mind and I'm like, oh, this guy should 100% be the super domestique of Simon Yates in that race. I don't have that feeling with this team. And I don't know, it feels like that's for all the races that they have throughout the calendar, except perhaps the uh, Hill Classics, where I do think a match who's in Amstel is pretty strong in that aspect. But um, yeah, I feel like we're missing a strong team around the leaders and we're missing a few leaders. We're missing a lot. Yeah, it's definitely, I don't know, Nick, for Simon Yates' support, I guess House and Nick Schultz is kind of okay. But yeah, the young guys they do have aren't of a quality where I think, okay, they're going to be, Kangert's also not a bad Mount Domestique on his day either. But yeah, it's it's definitely not a broad squad and it's definitely missing a premium sprinter and they're hoping Caden Groves will be that. Maybe he will. But yeah, it's... Do they lose? Every single one of their leaders after a few years, in the same way that Ewan left them as the best sprinter. Exactly. You've got uh, Adam Yates leaving them instead of Simon Yates. Um, in my opinion, Adam Yates was a better one-week racer and I feel like could be a better uh, Grand Tour rider as than Simon Yates. Sorry if I... Do you disagree or agree with that? I think Adam Yates is better. Okay. And there was another name I had in my head that did the same a few years ago or but I can't think about it now. But I feel like that's a pattern that we see here um, as well. And perhaps his budget as the issue, like you mentioned, the fact that they have so many issues finding sponsors and uh, as a consequence, maybe don't have the budget that other teams have. I think it was uh, rumored to be 10 mil or something. But yeah. uh, it's not the biggest number in the world. But I feel like they could probably do a bit better than what they have right now. Yeah, or just, I mean, as I said, I keep saying it over and over again. I, I don't think Jay Vine would have cost 500k a year. So, but yeah. as you, you mentioned, Benny, people potentially, these are people out of contract Matthews, Yates, Mezgetz, Durbridge, Dion Smith, Housen, <laughs> Lucas Hamilton, Schultz, Groves. They're all out of contract. Now, they might extend, but yeah, a big risk. Simon Yates, I, I mean, I don't know if he. Depends if other teams will take him because he had that um, suspension previously for the TUE thing. I've got a question for you. If Simon Yates is not in this team, is this a pro Conti team? Without Chavez, yeah, it is. Like, I think it's not great. And I think it's good they got some of the young guys like Balmer and Stewart and Sobrera. It's great. But yeah, I just... They're kind of not ready yet either. I know. I'm trying not to be too negative, but we're under. I think you went under four and a half, did you? I went under. Yeah, I went under. Okay, hot takes for this team. I think Michael Matthews actually does come back and wins. I think he wins two World Tour races next year. It's already half of the allowed for you because he's under four and a half. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I think Lucas Hamilton doesn't top 10 a Grand Tour. And I think Simon Yates... I think Simon Yates doesn't podium a Grand Tour. Okay. I think Matthews wins Milano San Remo. Okay. Those are indeed quite literally hot takes. <laughs> I believe that 
Caden Groves does not win a sprint this year. Oh, you're no way. That is a hot one, though. I'll give it to you. <laughs> I believe that Olaf Goy is a better rider right now, and he's not Oof. even remotely where he needs to be. Oof. Yeah, sorry. Uh, if you look at this year, did he win a race? He yeah, won he a won prologue, prologue at Slovakia. It's not. I said win a sprint. So technically, he didn't <laughs> win a sprint in 2021 either. So is it that hot of a take either? <laughs> I feel like he's he's a glorified Conti sprinter. He's 22. You're right. But... He won Tour of King High Lake and two stages of Tour of Fuzhou. Tour of King High Lake. <laughs> sorry, but that's uh, that's basically Mareshko territory. But uh, then again, Mareshko is in a basically a World Tour team, Alpecin, right now. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, that's quite funny though. But that's a hot take. I'll, I'll, I'll say that is hot. Okay. Because he, he'll probably go to like Saskatoon, Slovenia, uh, Slovakia, yeah. etc. Yeah, okay. I hope he does well, but I don't see it. What about people leaving? Is, will Simon Yates leave or Matthews? Uh, I think they both stay. I think they stay as well. What I do want to add as my hot take is that I think that in the Vuelta... Kaharural will arrive with Nieve as GC rider, and Nieve will be better in GC than any rider at Bike Exchange. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> or we'll win more races. <laughs> Nieve will probably win a World Tour, he'll like win a World Tour break or something. So yeah. I agree. I agree with that one. Anyway, those are our hot takes. Let us know if you think it's going to be over or under those sort of wins we said. Uh, and hopefully Bike Exchange as an Australian will have a bounce back season, potentially with some of the young talent they have brought in, the likes of which Kel O'Brien, who we interviewed beforehand. Hope you enjoy this interview with him, the lead out man for Caden Groves, and I think could be a good ruler himself on a variety of terrain. Welcome to the Lantern Rouge Soccer Podcast, Kellen O'Brien. Kel's 23, joining Team Bike Exchange, I believe, on a two-year deal. Uh, formerly a track rider, he won uh, well, world, champion, world champion in the Team Pursuit all the way back in 2017, and then recently third in the Team Pursuit at the Tokyo Olympic Games. That's what I wanted to talk about first, Kel. Because of the delay of the Olympics, did that delay, like, was this always the plan for you to go to World Tour, you know, straight after Tokyo? And did the delay effectively push that back a year for you as well? Yeah, I think uh, always for me, the plan was to um, get onto the road uh, once my Olympic ambitions were over. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I, would, I was always planning to go onto the road, but maybe the extra year sort of gave me a bit more time to sort of build up my endurance i guess and um actually be ready to to turn go into the into the world tour after tokyo so it didn't delay anything for me i think it just gave me a bit more time yeah and for this is a road cycling mainly podcast could you explain to people maybe your role in the the team pursuit team what sort of like physical requirements there are how you maybe differ to someone like wellsford or, or lee howard in in that setup um yeah okay so the team pursuit is uh it's a four kilometer race so fairly short uh in comparison to to road cycling um it's very high power very um yeah i mean it's 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 an, essentially it's a it's a long drawn out sprint really um I think 
for me, my role sort of um, gets split up between the the back end roles of the of the event. Um, Wellsford is um, one of our fastest guys, and he he always finishes strong. So uh, we team up quite well in in the in the back end together. Um, but uh, over the years, for me in the team pursuit, the my role has sort of changed. Like I, um, I ride most of the wheels, first, second, third, fourth wheel. Um, and I guess that's sort of what I brought to the team was a bit of like, you know, if something went wrong for someone and they couldn't, um, you know, they got sick or injured, then um, I could fill in those shoes. Have you still got the blonde hair? Is that why the beanie's on? Have you still got the, the blonde hair? No, 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 no. I cut it all off. Eh? But uh, no, it's just cold over here now. <laughs> yeah. So where are you? Are you in Girona or in Europe at the moment? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm in Girona at the moment. Um, yeah, but it's it's nice and cold, that's for sure. <laughs> I'll put up some, yeah, I'm in Kelson playing. I'll put up some photos for the video version of uh, I'm in Andorra where I think you're coming soon and it's beyond cold. There's like a knee-deep snow outside my house now. So I don't, Girona doesn't look as bad. It looks great to me actually. Um, but so you... Are continuing doing some track work now you're doing the uh uci track champions league you've done six day in the past this seems to be like a competitor to the six day competition which is like a track events in the off season which can get some of the road guys doing it like a viviani cavendish Merku. you've seen before the uci track champions league i think gets rid of the madison and it's like a different format How's that been for you, the different format, having done both the six-day and the track champions league? For spe- spectator-wise, it's better. I prefer the track champions league because I hate watching Madison. I can't understand what's going on. But as a competitor, what's it been like? Oh, it's been it's been good. Yeah, obviously it um, clashes a little bit with the six-day season, um, which it's been a little bit of a shame to see uh, a lot of the six days sort of fall away since the pandemic. but um uh, the program is is very, very different like it's a super short condensed three-hour program um in terms of endurance events they're like you know one five-minute race and another 12-minute race or 15-minute race or whatever so they're pretty short um it's a lot of like travel and then like unpacking bikes and getting ready for a, a pretty short evening of racing but it's super exciting and luckily like the crowd has been really, really good at these events. And I think it's, it's taken off well. And I guess, like you say, it's, it's pretty easy to follow. Um, you know, it's just a short series of, you know, five weekends of racing, um, you accumulate points and whoever's on top of the end, you know, wins. And, um, but yeah, I mean, in comparison, it's so different to the six days, but it's been really good, I think, to, to get it off the ground this year and hopefully next year will be a bit better again. Our Antipodean uh compatriot corbin strong's been doing pretty well at it how do you reckon he's at israel in three years like it's seen a lot of the australians to, or a new kiwis don't get huge hype like uh maybe an italian or a spanish guy how do you reckon he's 21 you reckon he's ready to be competitive at like some of those italian one one sprints that caden's been doing like what do you think for corbin because he's been doing well at the track yeah for sure he's um I think he's a, a an understated talent for sure. I mean, I think you sometimes can forget just how young um, some people are. I mean, you know, we have so many super talents now on the road that are so young. Um, 
and and he's no exception. I think like he's 21. He's just signed for three years with a with an awesome team, and he's going to have a great lead out to be a part of as well. Um, in terms of like the one day races and stuff, I'm not. I mean, I haven't really seen too much of him on the road, um, but I know that he he can probably climb a lot better than you would think. Okay. Um, so for sure, like he, he's a pretty lightweight sprinter. So um, I think it'd be very interesting to see like how he handles the load of of the year as well. Coming from a track background, the endurance load next year will be interesting to see how he how he handles it but for sure he's got he's got a big punch at the end of races what's your what do you think in your role is at bike exchange and i know it's a lead out for caden i saw in a press release but a bit more specific than that is it excuse me last man second last man because i've seen people that follow the channel for a long time i did a video on kel and wellsford who's going to dsm at the Bay Crits back in like, I can't remember how long ago it was, 2020, 2019, you guys were on Lexus Blackburn. There's not World Tour racing, but it was, <laughs> there's nothing on in, in December, January. And you did a lead out for him there when he won, I think Nick White overcooked the last corner. Will you be, so that was a last man role. Is that a big guy? You got to, you can do a good last 750 meters. Is that where you think you slot in or is it like a Seneschal? Talking about quick steps, second last man, ballerini sort of role. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really gotten into much specifics with with the coaches and stuff like that around that. I'm, and I imagine a bit of that will come down to form. Um, having not raced in the World Tour, I'm not like I don't really know where I sit. Um, but for sure, naturally for me, like I've been a lead out for for Wellsford last man for Wellsford and and other riders for a few years now so I think it's somewhere where I'd like to fit in um the last man is it's 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 a good job and I think I can do it well um but yeah I suppose it it, it all depends on how I, how I come into the season and um I am looking forward to getting in amongst with the with the lead out group for Caden and um potentially some other sprinters as well like um Campbell Stewart as well, another young Kiwi guy. Um, he's super, super fast. Definitely underestimated as well. What about other guys who are, I don't know, like Jensen Plowright, he's already doing pretty good in some of these sort of U23 races over here. Do you reckon he's – do you expect to see that sort of guy or any any other names from sort of Australia, New Zealand, around the crit scene that you've been around that you think will be – in world tour in two, three, four years. For sure. Jensen's um definitely got uh definitely got something special and hopefully we can see him like in the pro tour. I know he's gonna be in Europe um next year. I think uh apart from that there's a few younger guys. Um Pat Eddie, I think he might be yeah he's good. um coming over to ride uh DSM development team maybe something like that. Um, a few few strong guys like that are definitely coming out of Australia and hopefully uh, more and more we see them, you know, in the developing races before World Tour as well, getting that exposure. I reckon we'll see like a few really strong guys come out in the next sort of three years. And you were on Inform, uh, Inform TM Make. Uh, we'll road to them for a little bit. They seem to be, I think they brought Garen's on as like a development pathway coordinator uh, to be that bridge between 
an Australian development team or continental team and racing in Europe because unfortunately, or just the way it is, it's hard to get a world tour contract unless you say Lucas Plapp uh, without some European results or some big track results or uh, bike exchange traditionally have been the team where they are more familiar with the Australians. And so they, look at the Australian results a little bit more or, or Berwick or there's the Herald Sun tour where you've got to get a result against the European teams. But without that racing in the last couple of years in Australia, it's been really tough to get exposure. Like what if Berwick had been two years older, there's no Herald Sun tour, Israel don't see him. Like oh, that's the sort of stuff I think about. So Inform doing, seem to be doing a, a pretty good job. But do you know your program for next year yet or is that are you, are you going on camp in like a week or something where that sort of thing is going to be discussed yeah so i think next week at the team camp that stuff will um be discussed and sort of come out a little bit more i mean um like i'm a neo pro so i don't you know i don't want to step on anyone's toes too early and ask the wrong questions but um yeah i think next week i'll have a bit more of an idea but i guess by the sounds of it um it'll be uh you know a middle east start to the year um hopefully in that in that lead out for the for the sprint group what about tt though i mean we have spoken a lot about lead out surely tt is something that you with the right setup you're over 190 centimeters so you can do the extra longer extension um surely are you already i think got what third at the third australian TT champs behind Durbridge, not too far behind. I think you told me last year you did some obscene 10 minute power, like 500 watts for 10 minutes or something stupid. Um, is that something you're also going to be focused on as well? Because I reckon, like, you look at like, like Caden, for example, he won that prologue. There's a lot of those sort of five to 12 minute efforts around the place that, unless you're going up against Bissiger and Gana, and Gana who aren't at those events all the time, I reckon you could be picking up some decent results at those. Yeah, absolutely. I'm having sat down with the team, um, you know, earlier in the year and discussing like just where my goals are at. It's, it's an area that I haven't really had the time to develop yep. um, because of my Olympic focus, but it's something I'm super passionate about. Um, it's just finding the time and, and the resource to sort of, um, you know, dump everything I can into it. Um, it's definitely up there in my top two priorities for the next two years is, is my time trialing. Um, and like you say, there's, there's plenty of those uh, shorter prologue races or even, yeah, I mean like, yeah, time trials at Paranese, Torino and stuff like that. They're all, you know, I might not be at those races in the next year or so, but they're definitely big goals for me for sure. Yeah. Like that Paranese one, again, Bissiger, Cavagna, Roglic, like 13, 12, 13 Ks, even Matthews did pretty well. That sort of, sort of a TT. What you spoke, you sort of alluded to it. What's, what do you have to change now? What does a guy going from the track to the Olympic program, what do you have to change to become world tour ready or get, is it, do you have to do any different training to say, a normal guy going world tour who's already been racing U23 or is it just simple stuff like just ride your bike for lots of hours in the off season? Yeah, I think, um, <laughs> I think it's a good place to start is just, you know, sit on the saddle for a long periods of time. Um, obviously like I've trained, um, 
more or less over the years, more and more for shorter efforts. Um, so like I've trained those training zones, like super high training zones, anything, you know, we're talking like 600, 700 watts up, trained those zones a lot, but I haven't really trained the like training zones where you like spend, I don't know, 90% of the day sometimes in world tour, you know, those lower, you know, just burning calories all day. So for me, that's where a lot of it is. I need to just be able to like burn calories all day long and then still be able to do those training zones, like, you know, those high yeah. hours at the end of the race. So hopefully, um, yeah, just hours on the bike and, you know, I'm going to try not to lose too much of, uh, of my muscle mass and weight, um, because my goals, like I still want to do the team pursuit and I still want to do the bunch races on the track, um, for the next few Olympics to come. So I don't really want to like, you know, <laughs> lose all the, all the muscle and all the work that I've done over the last five years. Um, so yeah, that, that, I mean, that's part of it too, but just hours on the bike, mate. <laughs> yeah. And who do you, uh, when you've had the chance to watch World Tour, which guys do you sort of look at or have you looked at as obviously there's Morkov, et cetera. Do you, you know, when you watch those guys, what do you see them doing as a lead out that people may, may not realize, wow, that's crazy what he just did there? Is it the fact that he's eating wind for way longer than a, an average lead out person can do is it timing what do you see that's kind of special about the top guys like that yeah i mean morkov is like in a league of his own to be fair like his ability like when you watch him lead out he um he's always got space and he always knows where his sprinter is like he doesn't even have to look over his shoulder to know that they're there or not and um when you're in that sort of bubble of the lead out in the last few k's of a race it's really hard to get an understanding of what's going on behind you. Um, and yeah, I get, I mean, he's on the track as well. His ability to like create space around himself and always have a way out is insane. And I think like his success in his area has helped that as well, because, you know, you, if you're coming up alongside Morkov, you're going to give him a few extra inches, you know, like the man's there for business sort of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for sure. He's a, like just ability to create space is insane. And another different guy, I guess, who's coming up, who I think now is the second best leader in the world is Jonas Ricker on Alps and Phoenix. They just gave him a four year, I think four or five year extension, which I'd never seen for a lead out man before. Um, and cause he, they basically three guys won races for them. MVP, Merlier and Philipson. And I think Rickart was a big part in a lot of them. He sort of, Again, I don't know. Is he, he's a track guy. I feel like I've seen Rick up doing scratch races before or something like that. I don't know. But he, Possibly. yeah, he sort of similar profile to you, maybe a bit shorter he is. And yeah, just like he's more, he'll come from behind and then they just hit with like a really late punch, um, which I don't know you need you need a lot of powers pretty obvious, but when say someone on the left hand, if there's two trains, someone on the left is just holding at 65 Ks an hour. If you're trying to come up five wheel lengths, you need to, the speed you need to go is, you know, a lot faster and the power to do that is, you know, insane given that when you're already going that fast, it's, 
yeah, to make a difference like that is insane. So he, he always impresses me as well. But I'm keen to see how you guys go. I reckon hopefully you and Mezgets, if you guys team up or whoever, I'm keen to see how Caden goes because he's still pretty young and I'm also keen to see how you go in a lot of those, like I assume – I don't know. What, yeah, you don't know your program. Yeah, I assume you'll do like the sort of Saskatoon, maybe Tour to Hungary, uh, sort of sprint. Sprint. There's like four sprint stages in those races. Um, uh, with Caden again next year. But yeah, any. What about sort of off the bike stuff, logist life logistics, which is often bigger a bigger deal for the Australians. I know personally moving over to Europe this year. Um, have you been? based in sort of Italy, Northern Italy for a while with the track program or how long have you been living in Girona? Are you now sort of out after the Olympics fending for yourself entirely? How's that worked in terms of moving from Australia? Yeah, well, I mean, when I first joined the, the track program, we still had a a bit of a setup with the, what we call the World Tour Academy on the road, which was based in Italy. Um, and then that sort of got pulled away from, from Australian cycling for the last few years. Um, but yeah, so after I'd, um, I'd sort of had a good summer this year back in Australia, I knew I was going to come to Europe for 2022 and 23. Um, I made the decision to fly straight from Tokyo to Europe, um, having been in Australia for the last two years, um, and sort of spend these months setting up my life so that come January one or whenever I start racing in January, um, yeah, I'm ready to go. So yeah, I've been in Girona since the Olympics or since the 9th of August. Um, and yeah, so I've set up here and also I'm set up in Andorra now as well. So I'll be up there a bit when I can, um, over the next few weeks to get everything ready to go for the, for the year. Um, but yeah, more or less, we're just sort of fending for ourselves at the moment, setting up and, and getting ready for the next few years. Yeah. I mean, Andorra, I think court lives here, Asgren lives here. And like, I reckon it helps a lot because it's like, okay, you can go down to the sort of gel down in Spain and it's not, you don't have to do hills every day, but definitely it's just, you got to go uphill everywhere or downhill everywhere. Although the weather's actually surprising. It's usually pretty good here, but it was good up until now. Um, so I reckon don't be in a rush to come up, come train here now. I think Helsinki and Hague are just literally on turbo trainer life at the moment. Yeah. Um, and I'm thinking about going back to Australia if I can <laughs> for, for January because I can't cop it. Uh, I'm not a skier. Like, do, <laughs> do you ski? Are you, I always surprise me seeing world, like world tour riders skiing. I'm like, gee, especially like big, you know, guys on huge contracts. Like, do you ski? Uh, I haven't skied since I was maybe 12 or 14. We used to go to Mount Otham in the Victoria and Alpine region quite a bit when I was younger, but, um, not for a long time, but yeah, it is, it's interesting to see a lot of the pros in the off season. They love, uh, going for runs and, um, (laughs) going skiing, which is like, obviously not the safest of sports to be doing like in the (laughs) off season. Some of them shred it too. Like they literally do like backcountry skiing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. like, okay uh i mean yeah it, fair enough it's good fitness as well especially that they like the schema here is really really big thanks girl for coming on and being part of the bike exchange preview we'll follow your progress 
closely next year on Bike Exchange and, and keen to see how you go. So best of luck with that. And thanks for joining the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Kel. Now onto the Team Bike Exchange Jayco women's team. Uh, just reviewing their season in 2021. They had two World Tour wins, seven UCI wins, and were ranked 10th in the UCI ranking. Uh, so even though FDJ sort of had less wins or Canyon Shram had less wins, they were probably more consistent throughout the year. But their best rider by far and away was Grace Brown. She won Vuelta Burgos first stage and OxyClean Classic Brugge de Pana. Generally good throughout the classics. Amanda Spratt had a few, I think, health issues this year. Uh, and otherwise, Tineo Campbell won a Tour Feminine Ladesh stage as well as uh, Zigart, Oscar Zigart, who won uh, Mana Ciclista Valenciana fourth stage. So she's a pretty handy rider at the Slovenian as well, who extended. But not like not a great year either, Benji, from the bike exchange team, particularly as we get to the transfers. Grace Brown has gone to FTJ. Like that's that was a big move, and that was announced ages ago. Yes, certainly. It's, in my eyes, by far their best rider in uh, 2021. And she was able to drive in, I think, two World Tour wins. Uh, I didn't check the list completely, but she won in uh, Burgos a stage, that stage where she there was this upsloping climb in the last few kilometers, oh, and yeah. she got away with two other riders and eventually ended up winning the, the kick sprint there. OxyClean, where she rode away. Uh, as well and obviously that top three at rvv is insane uh so that's a very strong performance i think that grace brown is one of the uh riders we've been uh very hyped about in the last couple of years i would say on this podcast well last couple of years we've been doing this for a year and a half but <laughs> it feels like years <laughs> um i um i think that they're losing their best rider and that's always a, a bad thing is it i know and perhaps it is different, I guess, to the men's in that they have Lucy Kennedy's retiring, Sarah Roy, their classics rider, who didn't really get the results this year. She's going to Canyon Shram. Um, she kind of had a similar season to Matthews. The riders they're coming, they have coming in, like Kristen Faulkner, the American, she was really good at the later end of the season. She's sort of a late comer to the sport, but she won Ladies Tour of Norway first stage from a breakaway and then was good in breaks as well. Sarah Tizit and the whole of that Ladies Tour of Norway, actually, she came third, I think, on GC there. So she is a really good addition. She came from Team Tuco Silicon Valley Bank or not Women's World Tour, so a step up for her. Keen to see her in the classics with them. We also have Ruby Roseman Gannon, who has done well in Australian domestic racing, like the Santos Festival of Cycling. Uh, she was like consistent top five results there at the start of this year. She's 23, uh, I think just turned 23. And I don't know too much about uh, Nina Kessler. Do you know much about Nina Kessler, Benny, Dutch rider? I vaguely recall her getting second in our dash stage behind uh, bike exchange rider Tenille Campbell. Uh, so perhaps they uh, spotted her in her wheel and were like, ah, next year we can get first and second in this race. Alexandra Manley is a track rider who, so maybe she's uh, replacing Sarah Roy because they don't really have uh, like a out-and-out sprinter that I can see uh, either. So maybe she's that replacement, Ale- Alexandra Manley, 26 years old. What do you see as the focuses for this team, Benji? Is it? 
are they just hoping Spratt and Santesteban can get some GC results? I think it's a combination of getting results in GC, yes, but also I think there's good enough riders in here to win stages in races. Like, I think a Faulkner can win stages in the same way that she did in the first stage of, I think, Norway. I think she's good enough in time trials to stay relatively close. I think her climbing is where she lost the majority of her time in Norway, for example. I think Spratt is pretty punchy and is still a good Ardennes Classics rider. I think she topped in every single one of the three this year, despite um, towards the end of the season not being, uh, well, the best self. Um, but I think that if you can top 10 all three of the Ardennes Classics, you can win races, in my opinion. And those are the focuses for me. And the other ride is also just try and win stages. I I don't see a focus that I would say, oh, this rider is clear leader in that kind of race and they have the ability of winning that race directly with that kind of rider. I don't see that in this team. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Georgia Williams, they've got Kiwi, both road and ITT champ. She's the sort of rider who seems to be like not capable of leadership per se, but in any of those parkour. But yeah, could perhaps go on a break as breaks in stage races get more common in Women's World Tour like we saw at, say, a Burgos or a, a Seratizid or Ladies Tour of Norway. But yeah, it's... It's a mixed bag, and I think a lot is relying on, say, Santesteban at Classica San Sebastian or Amanda Spratt to really come back to the level she was in uh, not that long ago. Like Amanda Spratt in 2019, third in World Championships Road Race, winning stages in World Tour Races, the uh, Emma Kumin Bira, she came third, Girodonna. Like she was top, top level in 2019, Amanda Spratt, and she's, she's 35 now, I believe. Uh, 34, 35, so it's whether she can come back to that level in, in 2022. I think that a lot is hinging on Amanda Spratt and whether whether Women's World Tour has moved on from there, whether it's it's gone up a level and, and she's sort of stayed the same, I don't know. Uh, but that's, I think, the state of play for them. I think Zigart's pretty good, actually. Um, for this, like, seventh at Tour de Feminine, and won that race early on in the season. She just seems to be a, another break candidate. But yeah, I don't know about their their over under and wins. There's like as we said, there's extra races being added to the schedule um, for next year. I think well, they have two this year. I'm going to set the over under at two and a half, Benji, and I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the over. Okay, that's the first one I might have diverged on. I don't know why yet, but. Based on they might have luck and win some races. True, yeah. Mate, yeah, exactly. If Spratt comes back, she can win to herself and then they just need one more. So yeah, that's I think they're just missing Sarah Roy, although she didn't she didn't win any races for them this year either. Wouldn't Gigante have been a, a good signing for this team? Because she went to Movistar instead, but Yeah, I think she's she went to Movistar. Did she go to Movistar? Yes. So she was on uh, Team Tibco, but I think she's been um, injured. Injured, yeah. I think she had no. She she had Mayo Mayo Puri. I'm reading this off her Instagram just to make sure I'm right. She had Mayo Puri carditis back at the end of July when she felt unwell after racing in Tokyo, and so that takes a bit of time to recover from. So, hey. Moot point, she's not on bike exchange. But yes, I agree. Sarah Gigante, massively talented. And seven days ago, she um, 
she she put up a photo of her back on on the bike, which is good to see. But yeah, there is some Australian talent still out there. Like, watch out for Roseman Gatton, watch out for Giganti and Alexandra Manley as well. But that was our Bike Exchange Men and Women's Preview as well as the interview with Kel O'Brien. We hope you enjoyed it. Bike Exchange, I think both teams hoping for better seasons next year uh, and we'll wait to see if, if they are. But make sure you like the, the podcast you're watching on YouTube players. Give us a review on podcast players and subscribe on your relevant platform of choice. Thanks to Benji, as always, for his dedication on the Sunday uh, and his likelihood of winning the LFR poll. And we'll see you with the next one. Ciao.